Good morning, Radio Land. How's it going? Oh, it's going all right on this side of Radio Land, but Corey better back announce that. It was a great track. Uh, that was Tim Minchin with Thank You, God. Radio, yeah, well, and I, I... I think we all have God it, to thank. We do, we do. And it everything. reminded me, as I was playing, that uh, last week, I know I want you to... you got headphones, this is dangerous. Uh, 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 I'd, uh, actually, can I back announce our other song too? Yeah, okay. Before that, we had Fully Automated Luxury Communism with uh, The Breaking Cold, which was a mashup of... Uh, Modest Mouse song and a Savage Garden song. Right, and as I was about to say, your head. Um, My head, yes. We, yeah. Well, we got we got a. Um, I'm worried about this because last week I got we got a, co- a correspondent wrote to us and said how much again she rep- same person but she repeated how much she enjoys your interviews. Oh, and fantastic. loves the music. Your selection of music was her her words. So. There you go. At least somebody so, likes hang on, it. Those headphones are bursting. What's going on? Corey, Corey, get. Push, try and get your head back into show. That's it. That's it. Good. Well done. Well done. Okay, that's Corey Green, and I'm Kevin Healy. This is City Limits. It's the third Wednesday of the month, and therefore it's Housing Day. And Jeff Feeder from the Housing with the Aged Action Groups coming in. We're also in the second half going to be talking to a union official. It might even be the secretary. I think about. Um, sackings at Mornington Peninsula and um, the impact of that on the people being sacked are those dealing with low-income people, etc. So we're going to talk about that issue. And I know they were they were uh, picketing a council meeting a couple of nights ago. We'll find out what happened. Mm. So they're sort of yeah. becoming the people they were helping. Yeah, that's right. Terrific. <laughs> exactly. It's, <laughs> it's just hands-on work experience. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so they can truly understand their job. Well, hands-off, perhaps. And... Um, the uh, the first as we're talking we're going to cheer people up no end today about poverty because the first half we're going to be talking to Catherine Tower who's from the Community Consumer Law Legal Centre I'll get their real name in a second and um, and we're going to be talking about Lend Lease recent recent disclosures about Lend the practice of the Lend Lease Company and payday lenders in general and we'll also I think talk about the fact that we now in Victoria have record numbers of people being disconnected. Uh, from the utilities, so it's going to be a pretty cheery little program as usual. Mira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. that, that's good, isn't it? I'll, I'll um, now where can I find? I've just got to find the exact uh, cutting so I can um, tell you where she's from. But I'll find that in a minute. And um, here we are. She's from the actual name of the place is the Consumer Action Law Centre. That's what it's called, isn't mm. it? You knew that, didn't you? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was just waiting for you. That's right. Test me. <laughs> okay. Uh, look, on such things, by the way, um, David Shepherd, who's the ex-chairperson of the Business Council of Australia, he wrote a wonderful report for the government last year about where we can cut cut money, and most of it was adopted in that very, very popular budget last year, all those cuts and slashes, etc. Now, he's come out this week again and said that, um, that we're... He, he, he said... The Gabbard government's failed to make the the case for a tough decision on spending. He believes the government hasn't convinced voters Australia is still locked into unsustainable spending in sensitive areas like the age pension, family tax benefits, aged care, education and health. That's where we've got to cut. Mm-hmm. And he says people who say you can cover the, the, the expenditure problem by fixing up revenue like taxing people, that is totally wrong. The myth it's a revenue problem has to finally be nailed, he said. So nothing to do with the fact we're not taking in enough from the rich in taxes. It's all the fact we're giving too much to the poor in benefits. Ah, excellent. So Tony's got it all sorted well, out. Well, that's that cleared up then. <laughs> yeah, Tony's got it sorted out. And um, in, in the inquiry into taxes last week in the... Um, 
Oh, by the way, do you want a cup of tea? Oh, I Corinne? love a cup of tea. Thank okay, you. I'll give you one. Okay, I'll give you a cup of tea. This is just straight jasmine today. Or oh, oh. jasmine straight, but it's jasmine. Let's put it there. Uh, in the inquiry into uh, tax last week, we mentioned, I think, that the Age had had had, uh, had said that the Murdoch Empire paid a mere four point five percent on on turnover and about ten percent on actual profit, and the, mm. they of course deny that. But mm-hmm. they went. They who had been accused of, and I'm sure it's an accusation that wouldn't be true. They they simply. Uh, they're simply abiding by the letter of the law, Corey, as they all do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they went in last week and complained about the fact that com- their rival companies in, um, in 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 Netflix and Google are not paying GST, and they've got an unfair advantage over News Corporation. Isn't that terrible, poor Rupert? Yeah, that's terrible. Um, uh, yes, the, yes. Well, um, I, I'm just. How is uh, how is how is Netflix the problem when there's the Pirate Bay? Um, I have no idea. I'll, I'll take that as totally rhetorical uh-huh. um, in my case because I've got no idea what you're talking about, even. But anyway, there you are. Um, but anyway, they're complaining about other companies not paying tax and they have to. And, um, well, I think they make up for it in other ways, but never mind. Mm. Um, yes. So, and on, on another matter, I thought really interesting. Um, Victorian government, in the, the current Victorian government promised that in. in it's work for um, level crossings, railway level crossings. The steel and the work would all be sourced from Australia, 100% Australian made, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're finding that there, there are a chance of being sued for that because under, under free trade agreements with South Korea, Japan and the US, under those free trade agreements, they could well be breaking the law yeah. by... By in fact saying we're gonna we're gonna have Victorian or Australian made steel as opposed to steel from those other countries, mm, which not the, the cheapest product. Depends how you spend steel in this or how you spell steel in this case. I would have thought, but um, <laughs> that's another question, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, I just found that interesting in terms of free trade agreements, particularly with this Trans Tasman one currently. And I think on this station, there's been a lot of interviews about the problems involved. Now, um, um, guest has arrived. Yes, we'll get, we'll get her in. Eh? We'll, All right. Do you want me to put on a short song? We'll put on a short song. And right. we'll get our guest in. Okay. You're listening to City Limits on 3CR. And the time is 9.17 and we have our guests here. But what, was, first, what was that music? Um, that was Red Gum, famous yes. for making well, um, yes, I Was Only 19, and caught before, in the act. And before that we had it from Hair, of course. Yes, yes. The Air, the Air is everywhere. Yes. Um, and um, we've got in there, we've got guests in the studio. But just before that, one other thing I just wanted to mention in our usual rave on at the start of the program um, for a long time now, the Financial Review has been leading the push to have the GST increased and, of course, broadened to just everything because mm-hmm. why, why shouldn't the poor pay tax, for God's sake? Mm. Um, they, had a, they, and they have a headline in Pay one on Monday, support up for GST rise surplus, support up, uh, which I suppose is technically true. It's up from where it was, which is pretty low. And mm-hmm. it says now the poll shows support for an increase to the 10% GST has risen to 37%. Now, as I read that, that leaves another 63% that don't support it. But it doesn't say majority don't support it. It says support up, which I find interesting. And the very next day, another headline in the same paper, GST reform inevitable, oh. CPT grips. I just thought I'd raise that because they keep Great. pushing it like mad. Are we expecting okay. another guest? We are. Jeff Fiedler is going to wander in shortly as well, but we'll sort is, him out. Is he on this topic or the next topic? Yeah, he's on both, really. Well, okay. you know, he can sit there because he's from the Housing with Aged Action Group, so they ah, cover some of this stuff right, as well. right, right. But he's should coming he come to do inside? the housing thing. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll drag him in. But um, Okay. We'll, um, well, 
you you want to hear an intro, so you do the intro. I'll go and get Jeff and sort him out. All right. So we're talking about Radio Rentals today. Um, Radio Rentals is a business that leases out products such as home furnishings, white goods, and electronics. Um, they particularly target poor people who are unable to save up a lump sum to buy these products outright. And so instead, they can buy them at a greatly inflated price over a few years through small payments. Um, you can organise with Centrelink to automatically deduct these bills from your welfare through Centrepay. Uh, Radio Rentals seem to encourage consumers to do this. Radio Rentals made almost half its revenue, or $90 million, from Centrelink payments last year. So, Radio Rentals offers free delivery, see terms and conditions, free installation, see terms and conditions, free service, see terms and conditions, no deposit, see terms and conditions, choice of terms, see terms and conditions, and you can't read their full terms and conditions until well into the sign-up process after you've given them all your details and passed the credit check. Um, I had a bit of a look online, productreview.com.au. There was uh, two excellent reviews and 53 terrible reviews. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a bit of an... Uh, well, reading the reviews, it seems that their modus operandi is to get people's contracts expanded and extended for as long as possible with the use of late fees. Um, some consumers report being tricked into having late fees by, for example, radio rentals not informing Centerpay about new contracts. And um, I'll give you a bit of an idea of uh, these reviews. Um, these guys are not to be trusted. They're professional scam artists who flog money from anyone dumb enough to sign their contract. Do not buy or rent anything from these pathetic scumbags. That's obviously just an opinion. Um, yeah, and then I had a look online. Um, we've got a... You, you could buy a near-new, as in second-hand, Thorn Top Mount Fridge for $719 per week over 48 months, which comes up to... Sorry, yeah, 48 months, which comes up to $747.76. And the Thorn branding is Radio Rentals in-house brand, but it's and it's also the name of the parent company of Radio Rentals. Um, Thorn also owns some other uh, of those loan shark businesses. And so thinking like a poor person, I thought about buying a fridge and I thought, you know, I looked up on eBay and tried to find something similar. And at the moment, there's a similar fridge for 88.46, which is like 10% of the price of radio rentals. Um, and this fridge freezer holds about the same amount of litres and is secondhand, like the one you're getting from radio rentals. Um, it's pickup only. So if you didn't have a mate with a truck, there's probably another $40 you have to add to that price, but most people struggling along on Centrelink don't have, you know, $130 to spare, which is where Radio Rentals becomes appealing. So I thought, all very interesting stuff. And in the studio we've got, um, we've got Catherine Temple. Catherine's from the um, Consumer Action Law Centre. We've also got JB from the same centre who'll butt in. He's lost a chair at the moment, but we'll get him to the, come to the mic if, when he feels like it. And um, Jeff Fiedler from the Housing with Age Action Group is coming in a double role today. He's playing his dual role as coming in to talk about housing, but he's also going to... This is an area that surely affects your clients, Jeff. No sure doubt. does. Um, and, um, and Catherine, you're, you're, um, you're from the legal centre. Um, legally, um, these people, are, are they acting? Well, I presume they must be acting legally, but how do they get away with it? Well, I guess one of the main issues we see is that there's this sort of artificial distinction in the law between a credit contract and a consumer lease. So what Radio Rentals offers customers is um, known as a consumer lease. Um, basically, a consumer lease is treated um, 
you know, much easily under the law. I mean, there's a lot less consumer protections if, if you're dealing in a consumer lease than if you're dealing in a credit contract. Um, and the only difference is with a credit contract, you have a right or obligation to buy the product. Um, so what we see um, is consumer lease providers basically structuring their contracts um, and putting in these tricky clauses that technically you don't have that right or obligation, meaning it's a consumer lease, meaning they can charge whatever they want, they're not subject to cost caps, um, and there's also a lot less disclosure requirements. So, um, you know, that's how a lot of these lease providers are getting you know, able to charge these ridiculous um, yeah, amounts. Well, one example, as the prime example in the stuff that's come out, is a woman in Sydney, grandmother it says, mm-hmm. and that's relevant or not, but anyway, uh, she leased a vacuum cleaner. Um, she's been paying 40 a fortnight. She's already paid two grand and she owes another 900. Now, um, it's hard to imagine a vacuum cleaner worth three grand, I would have thought. Well, it's, yeah, that, that's what we see. These generally cost two to three times or more than the, the cash price. Um, and I mean, we've seen examples, particularly in Indigenous communities, these are a big problem in Indigenous communities, um, where there was a washing machine up there that was sold um, for $6,950. Wow. Um, you know, which is just outrageous, um, and that the people who can least afford to be paying well, for we, high cost credit... We know credit. who's doing the clean-up on that one. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, can you tell us about the rent try buy for $1? Uh, what's the fine print under that? Yeah, I mean, usually you need to get in touch within one month of your contract ending, and if you don't, then your um, repayments keep being taken out of your bank account or out of your centre pay, um, your Centrelink payments. So, um, and if you want to terminate before then, there's usually quite high um, termination fees. So, you, and you really need to look at the fine print of the contract, which for you know the average Australian can be pretty hard to get your head around. Even for lawyers, it can be hard to get their head around. So. Um, yeah, you really need to contact within that that one month to say that um, you know that we we want to buy it. Otherwise, the payments will keep being taken out. And you, and you don't actually get the product that you've rented all this time. You actually get a, a similar item, is how they put it. Yeah, yeah. So not necess- Yeah, you don't necessarily get what you've what you've been um, paying off. What's been sitting in your lounge room, say. Um, and that's another one of these tricky clauses. Another one we see is that you can gift it to someone. Um, you know, a friend or family member. Um, mm. You know that you. Technically, you don't get the right or obligation to buy it. You get to give it to a family member. And that's another way they get around um, being considered a credit contract. Um, you know, that's how they get these products to be considered consumer leases, therefore meaning they're not covered by the cost caps and things that credit yeah. contracts are. I rang Radio Rentals yesterday to ask some questions about this, and uh, I ended up talking to someone in Carnegie, which I found amazing. Uh, but he put me onto a bloke in Sydney who's their um, PR bloke. He told me the PR bloke gave me another bloke's number in Sydney, whom I rang, and then a woman rang back. Um, and they, um, she said she'd, um, she'd send a response to our questions by email, but the email certainly hasn't arrived yet, and I did say we were doing this at this time this morning. Um, but in, in the course of conversation, one of those people said to me, they abide by the responsible lending mm-hmm. um, lending programs or whatever. Did um, they write that? Um, I don't know. That's they, they, what someone said to me. And they also claim that they can't talk, because of privacy, they can't discuss the one about the vacuum cleaner, but the facts mm-hmm. aren't correct, they claim. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are um, responsible lending laws. Um, so you... In some, you can't lend money to someone or rent out one of these products unless they can afford to make the repayments. Um, it sounds simple, but we still see, um, you know, lease providers um, and not just radio rentals. This is sort of an industry-wide problem um, where people 
you know, can be signed up to leases that they can't afford to repay. Um, so, you know, they are correct. There are responsible lending laws that um, that every lease provider with a licence has to abide by. Yeah. Mm. Jeff, you must have examples of these. Yeah, <clears throat> I guess um, for for our people, we're assisting the whole issue of utilities as a a massive one and, and appliances and those sorts of things. When we um, are assisting people who've got housing problems and we visit them for the first time, we often find that they've got things like fridges that are 30 years old and vacuum cleaners and even you know bedding and all sorts of things that they've had for decades that um, are really run down and are also costing them a fortune to operate because they're so, they're so old and um, use lots of power. So from our perspective, we can see the pressure that people are under in needing to replace those sorts of appliances and how they could get caught into these sorts of contracts. Um, one of the things that our service tries to do is, apart from finding people housing and then moving them into that housing, is helping them to buy all of those sorts of appliances. So we'll often set people up with things like fridges and washing machines um, that they haven't been able to afford for decades. So, yeah, the pressure is really there. For, we can see that all the time. How does someone on an age pension afford to buy these sorts of um, appliances? And then and then to find out that actually spending so much more, <laughs> if yeah. they do get into these so-called affordable agreements to begin with, it's, um, it's quite appalling. And it reminds me of the old Walton's days, if, decades ago when, was it Walton's who had these mm. terrible yes. lease arrangements? Yeah. Mm. And I think, and you sign up, I mean, the repayments can be over 48 months like the one you found, and that adds up to to a lot. But, I mean, in the advertisements, it just has the per um, the per week or per, per fortnight price, and, and a lot of people aren't aware of what the total cost ends up being. Um, mm. And we would certainly like to see the total cost put in advertisements. I mean, people should know, you know what they're signing up to. Yeah. yeah. There, there are I mean, $700 for a second-hand, low-quality refrigerator, yeah, it's not a very good deal. Mm. No. I mean, I guess we would support people trying to find agencies that might be able to assist people who can't afford appliances to, to help them to buy them. Um, but, Catherine, there are also some – there's an alternative as well that's much a much better option for people. Yeah, yes, there is. Um, Good Shepherd Microfinance runs the No Interest Loan Scheme, um, which is NILS for short, uh, and they can help um, with no interest loans to buy essential household goods like that. So, um, NILS, uh, you can contact them on – 136457 if you're interested in one of those um, mm. one of those loans which is far well, more we'll affordable. We'll get that line out again before we'll get number out when people get a pen in their hand shortly. Yeah, that's a good idea. I noticed though in, in the responses to this press release Radio Rentals one that attacks Radio Rentals, one respondent said, but the problem with Good Shepherd is you can only get one loan for one thing and Radio Rentals you can buy all these things at once and isn't that wonderful? Because mm. you're probably going to want a toaster and a fridge. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we would support additional funding for NILS so that we can expand this, you know, that great service can be expanded to more and more people. Um, and, and they've got some great agreements um, with, with the good guys where you can get free delivery even out into remote um, communities, which is really important for Indigenous consumers. So um, you know, it's a great program and it really does need to be expanded so it can compete on the same level as as the con- you know, other consumer lease providers. And know, related to this, to of do. course, we haven't gone on to it yet, but related to this are the whole payday lending business, which this mm-hmm. is almost part of it, it's in a sense. Well, yeah, owned by the same parent company. Mm. Yeah, I mean, payday, lend- payday loans are sort of more cash-in-hand advances, which are under $2,000, and you have to repay them within 12 months. Um, but they're also, similarly, very, very high cost. Um, you know, their annualised interest rates can be over 240%, um, yeah. which... 
which is and that's since the, that's since the legislation was brought into to lower them. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was state-based and then the legislation was brought in to bring in specific caps for these small amount loans. Mm. Um, other loans that aren't small amount loans have a 48% annual interest rate cap, whereas mm. these small amount loans don't. It's a 20% establishment fee um, and 4% per month after that, which doesn't sound like much when you say it like that. Um, but when you actually look at the repayments and you work out what that would be as an annualised interest rate, it's it's actually huge. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the shorter, you know, and often the shorter the term, um, the, the higher the annual, annualised rate will be. Yeah. And in fact, one of them got fined a massive amount of money, um, I guess, a couple of months ago because um, because of their practices. Uh, but they all, they as like everyone else, claim that their practices are within the law. They're always within the law, apparently. Mm. <laughs> Just like slavery was. <laughs> well, we do have a review coming up actually. Um, after the second half of this year, which we'll be looking at the small amount um, loan laws. And uh, and so that'll be a very fiery debate, no doubt, because, you know, we're still seeing from our clients that are coming in a lot of harm being caused by these by these loans. So, you know, we would like to see um, tougher regulations, um, but the industry, you know, no doubt will have a different view. So um, it's going to be a, yeah, a pretty fiery debate, I think. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And people on Centrelink, when you were talking about those short-term loans, uh, the, the NILs, no interest loans, they should also remember you can every six months get a $510 loan, no interest from Centrelink that automatically comes out of your pay. Yes, yep. so Centrelink advances um, are another option. Um, you can also speak to a free financial counsellor um, and if um, I can give the number for that line later on, um, it's a 1800 number. Um, and you know, because if you're struggling to pay your day-to-day expenses, really going into a high cost cost credit agreement is mm. probably not going to help you in the long term. Even going into a no interest credit agreement, you know, I mean, yeah, and I mean, when you're on Centrelink, there's just nothing spare. Yeah, and the problem is that the payments get taken out, generally direct debited, on the day your Centrelink payments go in, mm. which then means that you're short for your next, you know, until your next payday, and then you get caught in this sort of cycle of getting another loan to pay off the old loan and and that's where we see the most harm occurring and, and it really needs to stop. In, in a discussion around this inquiry which suggested that the interest rates might be legislated to actually come down, one of the payday lenders said this would stop them being able to give low uh, low interest, or not low interest, be able to give loans to low income people and they, that would really hurt them because they obviously are purely altruistic and just want to help low-income people. It seems to be their motive. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of publicly listed payday lenders um, and looking at their sort of profits before tax. Um, uh, an example was Money3 announced a profit before tax of over $10 million for the half year to the 31st December 2014, which was a 126% increase on the prior year. Wow. So, um, you know, that's obviously loans, the whole scale, up to $2,000, yeah. but... To us, I mean, the, you know, there's profits to be made there. Well, and, the two who are actually on the stock exchange, Money3 and the other one is, um, what's it called, the um, cash converters, their, their, their shares went up 30% and 20% recently, so they're obviously doing something right for their shareholders, if not for their customers. Yes, they're uh, yeah, making money as quickly as their customers are losing it, as uh, I think has been quoted somewhere before. I guess we'd also argue that if people are finding themselves in that squeeze where they're needing to um, to get loans to pay for these basically essential items, mm. that there's a whole range of problems that might be occurring. And I guess from our perspective, often housing poverty causes people to have very little money left to pay for all of the other things, including food. Um, mm. 
Yeah, I don't think you can get uh, loans for food these days, can you? But a lot of people <laughs> need help even in that, at that level. Yeah. But um, so we'd we'd also recommend, like, if there are other problems people are having with their costs, such as rent, that they contact organisations like ours to get assistance in that way. So if you can lower some of the other fundamental costs, then maybe you can take pressure some, off some of the other areas that and, people are facing. Yeah, and don't be shy to contact your creditors and talk about payment plans. And, you know, with your utilities, there's utility relief grants available. I mean, really talk to your creditors first before you think about, um, you know, taking out one of these loans. Let's go to that because disconnections of electricity in Victoria have jumped from 13,000-something, 13,500 roughly in 09-10, to 34,500 in 13-14. That's an amazing increase. And um, the, the article in The Age the other day puts it down primarily to the, the problem of what's happened since privatisation of electricity. Yeah, I think our concern in particular is the amount of wrongful disconnections, um, which we've seen have increased 234% over the last four years. Um, and so in the uh, last financial year, there was 1,022 wrongful disconnections. What um, causes that? I'm, I mean, the, the retailers say that basically there's a level of disconnections that just is unavoidable. That, um, and we say to Victorians, you shouldn't be accepting that. That's, you know, this is an essential service. And, um, and I think even if there was a report today of someone on life support being having their electricity wrongfully disconnected. Um, which just isn't acceptable. Mm. Yeah. And um, we're talking, by the way, to Catherine Temple from the Consumer Action Law Centre and Jeff Fiedler from the Housing with Aged Action Group about the... We're cheering people up no end about the problems of poverty again, as <laughs> usual. <laughs> but, uh, Jeff, do you, are you having, I mean, do you have clients who have this same problem with utility companies? Um, w- one of the big problems we have is actually, oh, since privatisation, is when we're, when we're assisting people to move into new properties, um, getting connections is just a outrageously difficult and even though some of them you know they often promise to connect you within 24 hours and that kind of thing it can often take days and days and days to get these things organized so the whole system seems to become a lot more complex than it used to be um but so that's one issue and yet just the whole issue of affordability again become has seems to have increased significantly and the figures you've you've mentioned Catherine just um show the evidence for that, but generally people are finding it much tougher than it used to be, that's mm. for sure. And I think we also want to see an improvement of how the retailers are dealing with hardship, you know, people experiencing financial hardship. I mean, we see clients coming in that have debts of around six to $7,000 before they're contacted by the retailer trying to, you know, to identify they're having payment problems. I mean, that should happen a lot earlier, mm. um, you know, mm. particularly for people... Um, who are struggling to make ends meet? A six to seven thousand dollar debt is, you know, is enormous. Well, they're so incompetent. I mean, I got I got a twelve month bill for gas because they hadn't sent me a bill for a year, um, and I'm still I'm still debating it with them. When we're having this great argument, having a nice time with them, actually running around. But nonetheless, um, you know, but that is that is I think that's pretty common, isn't it? Since they were privatised, companies just forget to bill people or lose. I actually lost my details completely, actually. Um, but um, you know their incompetence again leads to they they're incompetent, but then they expect the customer to respond to their incompetency in a sense. Mm. I think I mean we would like to see more stronger enforcement action by the Central Services Commission. You know to keep yeah I mean they should be held accountable if, if mistakes are made. Um, it shouldn't be the consumers bearing the cost of that. Mm. Well, they're not of course they. Where I'm debating it with them, actually, that they're only allowed to charge you nine months if they get that far back. They can't, so that's where we're, that's where I'm disputing at the moment and keeping them at bay. But um, but yes, the uh, but but the 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 ombudsman 
also, most people aren't aware that in certain situations, the ombudsman has the power to waive the bill completely. I think it's usually a she these days, the ombudsman, but if she wants to, and... Um, that's something most people don't know, I think. Mm. I think as well, going back to consumer leases and payday lending, there's an ombudsman for credit as well. Um, and ombudsmans can be really great services, I mean, much better than going to court. Um, you know, it's not quite as adversarial and confrontational. Um, so it's, you know, I think if you're having trouble um, and you can't work it out with the retailer directly, then I mean, the ombudsman's a great um, another option. Yeah. Mm. One of the things I noticed about this um, loan sharks and the, um, the lend leasing um, well, it really reminded me of, just to sound like Bill Della for a second, the ragged trouted philanthropist, which was written, you know, a hundred and something years ago. And, you know, it's like all the same predatory lending um, happening in, in this early capitalist book that's happening now. It's, I don't know, same old. Yeah. Yep. That's all. Sorry. Same old. And we've got, we've got to wind this up because we've got to go on another interview. But, um, Catherine, well... Any, we, we hate to have positive notes on this program because we like to depress people, but um, <laughs> it, it, this, this inquiry come out and your, the actions you're taking, um, are there any, is there any light at the end of in all this for people? Oh, look, I think so, and we've had a fair bit of attention on, on some of these issues recently in the media. The Four Corners story um, on payday lending was just recently, um, and obviously the radio rental story got quite a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, and government you know, is sounding open to, to some of these ideas, and, and we'll certainly continue pushing for it. Um, and and helping clients when we can. We've got free financial counselling and, and legal advice at our centre, so, um, you know, we, we want to keep helping people to, uh, to, to get can, a fair go. How can people get in contact with your centre? Um, so to speak to a free financial counsellor, so if you're experiencing trouble with debt, um, give us a call on 1800 007 007 um, and, and they can speak, talk to you through some of your options and, and if you've got a legal question, they can um, refer you through to our legal team as well. Okay, and Catherine, you gave out that Good Shepherd number. We said we'd repeat it. Can you just repeat that before we go? Yes, yeah, sure. It's 136457. Right, yeah, 136457. Okay. Look, thanks for coming in. JB, you had a wonderful time talking on radio today, <laughs> <laughs> sitting over there in the corner. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Catherine, look, thanks for coming in, and we'll, we'll keep following up because I think it's not going to go away for a while, but let's hope we... Well, I suppose the other solution, of course, is that people have enough money to live on, which would, would, would help a bit, wouldn't it? I think so. I mean, yeah, you've got to address the demand and also address... Um, you know, hopefully provide better access to safe, small amount credit through other yep. means. Yeah. Okay, but look, thanks for you and, and JB for coming in. He's been invaluable here today, really, on the on the old, on the airways. Uh, and um, as I said, Catherine is from... I've got to get this order right. I keep having to look to get it. The Consumer Action Law Centre. I always want to say that in different order for some reason. <laughs> um, but that's where you're from, and, um, and people can be in touch if they've got problems with these things. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very okay. much for having right, me. Thank you. All right, we're going to go to a track now. This is Toy Toy by The Conch. You're listening to City Limits on 3CR. And who are we here with? We're here with Jeff Feetler from the Housing with Aged Action Group. And Jeff, we were going to talk to the Secretary of the Union, but she's unavailable at the moment. Um, but you can tell us the story. Anyway, well, before we go there now, then, yeah. last month April talked about your funding problem and the fact that the government hasn't guaranteed, and so your, your staff are really sitting in limbo with no, no, no idea where they're going. Um, there was some money in the interim. when They did give some interim money to homeless the homeless groups, uh, but you didn't come under that. Uh, not directly. That, that yeah. The, the, the complexities are that there's a it's a Commonwealth state agreement homelessness funding, and so that commitment that was being sought from the Commonwealth through the Minister Scott Morrison did finally come through. He committed 114 million a year over two years. 
which is an index. So it's the same amount that's been provided for this financial year, the same amount for the mm. next two years. So it loses value. We're talking about a cut of about a million dollars in homelessness programs. Um, because our service is a newer one, it hadn't actually come under that pool of funds. So we've been needing new commitments from the state and the Commonwealth to fund us. So that's been part of our, our negotiations is to, to ensure that that happens. The work we've been doing for the last three years, the, the mm-hmm. ongoing nature of our funding has been basically determined by how it's been evaluated. We've been told it's been, from their point of view, a complete success, which we, we believe too because we've housed hundreds of people, which should be the aim of a housing service. Mm. Um, and even a month ago when um, we last spoke about this, as you're saying, when April was on, we were promised interim funding to keep us going because we said at that time we were going to close at the end of March. They said, don't do that, we'll give you some funds to tide you over. So we said, all right, we'll stay open a bit longer. That still hasn't come through. So um, it's been a real disaster. We've lost staff um, who've gone to other jobs. Um, and people people are feeling the real pressure. And it's making it really hard to um, to keep the doors open, frankly. But the demand is still there. Yeah, so that's a, a bloody serious thing to put it mildly, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Well, we've only got funding to the end of June, and yeah. we've got they might have to start. But you're, I believe you're already on overdraft anyway, aren't you? Because you're not getting yeah, your exactly. funding's run out. Yeah, we're using we're, we're we're promising funds that aren't there. That's right. And when we were talking before about things like buying fridges and bedding and things mm. like that, that's mainly where our money's going at the moment. Because when we house people, we have to spend that money to set people up. And uh, that yeah, it's money that we really don't have, mm-hmm. um, so we're really desperately um, needing a response from the, the government, and uh, we expect something to happen every day. But every day passes, and nothing nothing occurs. Yeah, okay. Just just catch up with another catch up. The um, story last week about we've done it a couple of times recently about the unelected commissioners at the city of Brimbank trying to flog off public parkland to private developers. There was a gathering of about 50 people at a barbecue last Sunday on the land and uh, they're meeting again tonight so we'll keep people updated on that one as well and see how it's going. Another important story though Jeff, Mornington Peninsula Shire, um, events happening there that aren't too good. Yeah uh, quite a shock again just um, a a few weeks ago um, we heard through staff at the Mornington Peninsula Shire that a number of staff have been dismissed um, more or less immediately um, 12 senior staff who've been there for a very long time. Um, people have worked there for 15, 20 years. One person who's actually worked there for 44 years mm. was basically given their, their marching orders immediately. Um, this has all come about, it seems, from a, a new CEO, a guy called Carl Cowie, who's come in and is using terms like he, he needs to right-size the organisation I assume that means you're moving to the right. Is that what that mm, means? I'm sure, <laughs> um, I'm sure it does. And, um, and the people, can I, yeah, go on. Can yeah. I give you a couple of quotes from this guy? Yeah. He's pretty of a um, – yeah. uh, he loves business. Um, yeah. He said, uh, some people um, at Mornington Peninsula Shire viewed themselves as local government rather than a business, but he told them to reassess this view. Please understand, when an entity attracts an income of $200 million plus, employs over 1,000 staff, contracts with multinational companies to provide services, borrows millions of dollars to fund investment, it is a business. He wrote in the email. So a shire council is not a shire council, it's a business. It's a business now. Okay, right. right and it's yeah, an environment right, of right. rising costs and increasing expectations. We need to be efficient and effective. Yeah, this guy is basically a, a burbling dictionary of business talk. Yeah, and apparently the next some of the next steps that he has been 
um, proposing a thing or outsourcing of services and that sort of thing. So you know, we may not, I mean, maybe he's right, maybe there won't be local government anymore if he has mm. his way. Mm. It'll just be outsourced businesses. Well, that providing. was all begun under Kennett, of course, where he forced them to, to contract out anyway in many yeah, ways. But the, right. people, the people being dismissed, Jeff, many of them, and the reason you're involved, many of them are dealing with the sort of people you deal with, aren't yeah, they? Exactly. I mean, they're, they're... It's been a really progressive council morning to Peninsula Shire for many years. We've, we've worked with them on a number of social justice projects. Um, they, they have a number of staff employed in those sorts of areas that um, support their local community. And they're the areas that they seem to be targeting in terms of getting getting rid of staff. Um, they've got a really good Indigenous support programs. Um, um, they've, they've one of the few councils that actually has a housing officer, so they actually work on affordable housing policy and development. And they've done some really good things in um, getting constructed um, new rooming houses and uh, supporting public housing and other other affordable housing developments. Uh, so, and in, as far as our um, people are concerned. Older people have done a lot of really good promotional work to make sure that older people in on the peninsula get in contact with us mm. to get and assistance. It's an area where you've got those caravan parks. A lot of people live on those as well. That's, that, does, that would come under morning. Yeah, peninsula, absolutely. Right? That's yeah. right. A yeah. lot of permanent people living in caravan parks down there who need help. Uh, it's a, a, a high proportion of people on low incomes on the peninsula who are now going to be losing services because of these cuts. What do the councillors say about it? Do we know? I mean, if, they, if they've got a progressive policy, one assumes the councillors are somewhat progressive. Well, it, that used to be the case, but uh, what we've heard is there's been a, a recent shift and um, we're, we're waiting to hear directly from the council as to, um, as to you know, are they going to, to turn this around and change it? Or um, at the um, protest meeting the other night, a number of issues were raised with council at the council meeting. A bit of fill it in. There was a meeting Monday night. There was a bit of a picket and barbecue. That, that's right. And um, union organised. Yeah, ASU organised um, picket and um, and and questions were raised in the council meeting at all, but very little positive response given from councillors that seem to be determined to to go forward with this. And the effect on workers has just been extraordinary. People are just um, personally devastated after really um, dedicating. There themselves to working for those communities for so many years, um, it's you know it's quite a very traumatising experience they've all been through. It's, um, so you know we we would hope that the as you say the council would have another look at this and and change their mind. Um, we had a whole lot of plans for other community projects we're wanting to do on the peninsula, but they're now going to be on hold because um, we don't know whether we can work with that council anymore. Mm. Um, this guy Carl Cowie, the new CEO. Um, he obviously has a bit of a record um, working as a senior executive leader in quite a few different um, areas. What do you think the motivation was for hiring such a guy? Well, that, that's the thing. Isn't it? Often these organisations hire um, people who just come in to, to be ruthless and to do the cuts, mm. people who don't, aren't really connected to... Well, you know, he's, as you're saying, he's making the accusation that um, it's not local government, it's a business, but... He seems to be someone who just has no understanding of the community that he's supposed to be serving. Mm. And um, so, you know, you can only think that council are just wanting to, um, to, to cut funds at all costs without looking at the consequences. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Mm. Uh, well, yes, and and did you know where he came from? Did he come out of private business himself before this? Did we know? Or yeah, he did. did. Oh, he? sorry, you go. Yeah, oh, well, just from the uh, information in the press, it, it, it describes him as having um, an MBA from Monash Mount Eliza Business School. 
It's a highly esteemed school. Oh, I yes, imagine. very good. And he studied at Harvard and School Harvard. of Public Health. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that's mm. right. He didn't get much of the public health bit, obviously, from Harvard because he's cutting the people who actually work on it. Well, he, yeah. Um, yeah, he did manage some healthcare facilities and he's also worked um, um, in leadership in uh, just general facilities management, transport, manufacturing and construction. So there you go. He's had quite mm. a, like, a wide range of experience over quite a few fields, but his main thing seemed to be um, working in healthcare. So he must have been one of those slash and burn... That's that's pure yes. conjecture, actually. And I suppose if you if you say, "Well, I'm trying to make it efficient," it's it's not it's not that efficient if you suddenly create all sorts of problems in the community that then need to be addressed. That would seem to be yeah. inefficiency. And at the same time, getting rid of workers who've been doing that work for for mm. decades and you know are, are fully involved in that as as that's we right. speak. So and people a, who've been there for years and years, and you know these people personally. Um, were effectively just carted away. One woman, I believe, was taken away, not even allowed to say goodbye to people. Was that the case? Yeah, pretty pretty well. It's we understand people as, as in business. Well, he's practicing business practices, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More or less um, led, led led out of the building so that they um, they you know didn't have access to um, to files and all sorts of things like that. So sort of thing you're happening in ruthless private businesses happened all in right, this case. Well, we'll keep an eye on that because it's obviously uh, well, we'll keep an eye on it anyway and hope that you can you're obviously working on trying to, to change the, the minds of the councils at least if not the, the CEO's not, not going to change yeah, his mind. Yeah. Just before we go, a quick one. You've got a film tomorrow, um, Yeah, Jeffrey. just as well, apart from the fact our funding hasn't come through, our campaign has um, been going really well. We've had amazing support from, from the community. Um, if We've got... Uh, over 400 supporters now on our our website. Um, we've had many or oh, hundreds of emails that have gone to the Minister for Housing. Um, and yeah, tomorrow we're launching a film called Feels Like Home, which is the story of uh, five um, people who've been assisted by our service, just talking about what it means um, to to go through the the poverty and the the trauma of um, of being under threat of eviction in private rental housing. Um, and then the assistance our services provided to to help them to find public housing fundamentally, and then you know what what public housing gives people. And it says the film stars will be ready to answer your questions after the screening. The film stars they'll, will be there. They will be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's in uh, it's in Ross House, which is two forty seven Flinders Lane, which is where your yeah. office is uh, on level four. That's tomorrow eleven a.m. tomorrow morning. Um, We've all, also got film. DJ Foster Theatre. Um, uh, uh, musical theatre star of the past who's going to sing some songs who oh. recently assisted by our service as well. Okay, and it so says Housing Minister well. Martin Foley invited to open the launch, but he won't be there apparently. Um, that's right. That's very good. Okay, Jeff, look, thanks for coming in. We've got to get out of this place. Corey, thank yourself. No, thank Corey for doing a great job, Jeff, and tell people next week I've got no idea what's on the program. Thanks a lot, Corey, and um, there'll be big, big surprises next week. It will. <laughs> <laughs> and um, probably the Redfern Aboriginal Tent Embassy. Oh, that's right. We, that's we got that, that. Yeah, that's on next week. Isn't yes, it? yes. Yes. Okay. All right, and we're going to go out with a track. This is Alien Skies by Radio Birdman. You're listening to City Limits on Three CR. <laughs>